You're listening to Black Humboldt's new podcast, Black Aesthetic. And we're celebrating our love for Black arts and culture within Humboldt County. What up? This Queen D rocking this body from East Coast to Humboldt. Woo! Hey, this is Dwar, healing souls on the streets. K.M. Ross, popping shots, killing things, and making stuff. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Mo. Mom artist extraordinaire. Baby, baby. People ask me why my figures have to be so black. There are a lot of reasons. First, the blackness is a rhetorical device. When we talk about ourselves as a people and as a culture, we talk about black history, black culture, black music. That's the rhetorical position we occupy. Carrie James Marshall. This week, we're featuring Emily and how she exists in Humboldt County. What's up, everybody? We got Emily on the podcast today. What's up, Emily? Hey, Emily. Hello, everyone. Let's hear a little intro about Emily. Emily is an African dancer, teacher at Humboldt State University in the theater, film, and dance department. She's also the owner-operator of Ginger Love Designs and creator. Well, but just, um, I'm actually not the creator of Ginger Love Designs. My grandmother created it. And I'm just like keeping the business along for her. That's beautiful. Yeah. So Emily, uh, tell me a little bit about the type of artwork that you do. Okay. Um, I do textile design and um, I make clothes. And so, um, like I said, the business was started by my grandmother and I learned a lot of sewing from her. I was always around women making clothes, especially making quilts. Ginger Love originated from um, these quilts that had um, black children on them. Um, and my grandmother really just wanted to see um, black art and textiles. And so she started just making these quilts and called it Ginger Love and from there, um, it kind of just morphed into dolls and all different things. So I grew up around those. And then, so when I started making and designing my own things, I was more into clothing, but, um, I just used the inspiration from African textiles and modern design and put it all together. Just to follow up to you have, um, you have two artistic talents. One is like a performance art and one is like mm -hmm. a physical art. And uh, yeah. could you tell me a little bit about like maybe some of the, the reasons why you choose to kind of divide your art in those two directions? Um, I, I don't know if it really was a choice. It's just kind of happened. It'd almost be easier if they were like more meshed well better together um but yeah I started do doing dance and um I loved it and it in the like physical form it was a way that I could connect with my body and connect with my spirituality and my ancestors and get to places that um I hadn't been doing anything else and with the sewing and the textile art it's um, also another way that I can connect with like my family and my ancestors and both my grandmother and my mother are gone now and both of them sewed. So it's really, both of them are like my connections to my 
my spirit in a way more than just like an well not more than just an art form but they're like um they like connect me to my spirit so I guess the next question is is how did your artist journey begin so would you say that it started with your mom and your grandma or like dance first or what it's kind of one of those things where you're just living life and you don't even really know. It just kind of is your life. Like, I remember this scratchy, terrible robe that my grandma made me that I had to wear all the time because my grandma made it, so you better wear it. And it was yellow and it was itchy. And I just remember being like, oh, granny's always making me this stuff and like itching. So I've just always been around like stuff being created for me and clothes being made for me, even though I didn't love them. And she made me this vest when I was a little girl that I still have in my closet. She made it for me when I was fifth grade and it still fits and I still rock it. And, and even like in the inside, it has um, to Emily and the date and it's all signed by her. So yeah, I started a a while ago with the sewing. It's just kind of part of my culture, my family culture. And then with the dance, it started as just wanting to learn dance, seeing this dance form and being like, oh, like I want to know, I want to know that. But then as I started doing it more and doing it more, it started taking me places while I was dancing that um connected me deeper to myself that I wasn't expecting and um yeah so with dance it was like slow going you know it's like a progression of just getting deeper into the art form and deeper into the art form and exploring it and then really just being able to get some really beautiful beautiful benefits from doing it can you tell us a little bit more about your dance journey like like were you in a were you a child were you an adult how how did your practice form and speaking of mm-hmm. going places you know the the communities it's taking you to mm-hmm. yeah I started dancing young but I was just doing like tap ballet just like the basic stuff and then I stopped and Then when I got here to Humble, I started dancing and that was like 12, almost 12 years ago now. And I was doing Samba at first, but it just, I loved it, but there was, I just, when I saw West African, I was like, yes, that's, that's what I want to do. So I started doing West African and I did West African for a while. So yeah, so I, um, I first started dancing here in Humble. And I enjoyed dancing here a lot. And it was, um, it was a good experience. And then I danced for here for about five years. And then I went to Las Vegas and started dancing there at the um, West Las Vegas Cultural Center. And being there in that space, that was a Black-owned, Black-created, all-Black people dancing West African, celebrating West African culture and doing rites of passages. Um, I was just, I was able to see the dance form and experience the dance form in a completely different way and in such a comfortable way where I felt so held and so seen and 
that, I mean, all the drummers, it was just a black space. All the drummers were black. And so when you get those kind of spaces that are so held for you and your culture, it allows you to really sink in and deep, be deep within yourself, within your experience, with whatever's coming up. You can speak on it and be understood by people. And you just feel so good and so seen. And so that was when I really blossomed as a dancer in terms of like connecting spiritually and culturally with the West African dance. And then I was also able to dance with a woman named Wasa there who's from um, Senegal. And she danced for Cirque du Soleil and she's just such an amazing dancer. She's so talented. And to be able to dance with her was such an amazing gift. And so that's so that, you know, I don't want to say the word interesting because that's, that's a lot of white folks way to favorite word to describe something that we, that they're responding to that comes out of black folks mouth. Indeed. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) you know, Mo and I, when we dance in Jovan Dempster's class at health sport, we tend to make sure that all the black folk gravitate together in a huddle in a circle and you know what not even just black folk but all the POCs in her class are like in the center behind her because we want to feel each other and, right. and that's the, 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 the visceral feeling you feel when yeah. you're in Vegas mm-hmm. and the way you described it the only time I can imagine have ever felt that in Humboldt is the one time we had a huge turnout for the all black dance teacher uh, black Humboldt event Dance for Black and Brown Bodies. Yeah, that one, like, the first year we ever did the Arts Month, that event, I think about it all the time because it was so much fun. And I was, like, rejuvenated. It was, like, 9.30, and we were like, no, it's fine. Like, we gonna keep dancing. <laughs> and, like, everyone shared. And, it, and, like, there was kids there. Like, it was dope. So Yeah. Yeah, I remember I took a ballet class there once, too. Only once because I'm not a ballet dancer. And I learned that lesson in that class. And I remember we were all laying there stretching. It was like maybe 30 people. And I looked around, I looked in the mirror and it was all brown bodies. And after being in Humboldt for so long, I was just like, I I was so moved and so like happy in that space to be in a ballet class and seeing all these black people that look just like me and I felt so safe and so held. And it's just like, it's something we don't get here. And it's so special and it's so needed. So after I came back from Vegas and was like, I had been so held by that community. Um, and then coming in to the West African dance space again here was extremely hard (laughs) like all of a sudden I could only realize in the room in that space while I was there that I was the only black body in that space and I I don't know how just how to describe how triggering that is for people of black bodies to be in that space and feel so alone but I was it's 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 a very lonely feeling in a space that's supposed to be for community. And I've worked hard 
I worked hard. I continued to go and I tried to like go past this feeling, but it, it doesn't go away. It's um, there in the class and it's a problem that needs to be addressed. Maybe they can start letting all black folks in for free and have a black teacher and find black drummers that they'll pay until they can profit. That was what my issue was with seeing things locally. Like when I first dropped down, I was like, okay, let me go to this African dance. And then there wouldn't be one black body. Like, yeah. At all. Like, I'm like, okay, dance moves, whatever. If they come with it right, with like how you like to approach it, I, I feel like that's necessary. But I'm always like, you gotta have a black drummer or something. Like, at least mm-hmm. one. My like goodness. one? Like, I don't know. And I feel like if I was the only black body in that space, I'd be like, I'm good. I don't know if this is the space I'm going to, like, be giving myself <laughs> and my offerings. So uh, do you want to talk about some of your recent projects in Humboldt? Not to, like, counteract all the goodness yeah, we yeah. were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so my recent projects, well... So this spring, I was, I got the position of West African dance teacher at HSU. And that was a huge project for me and just such a beautiful opportunity, such a beautiful opportunity. And I said, I mean, in the first class, I made it very clear. I had about like, I think like 15 or 12 students and I made it very clear, like this is a black space. (laughs) This is how it's gonna be run. Like, like, this is more than just a dance for me. This is my, like, spiritual connection. We're going to talk about this. Like, I was very clear about that. And I lost a lot of students the next class. But the ones that did stay, we just, it was fire. I had so much fun. I had so much fun with these women. And it was with these students and it was a really beautiful experience and I'm excited for next spring um to do it again and hopefully get to perform and um yeah share with the community that class and what we're what we were working on wow what what a statement to make in a white institution because you know I went to HBCU because I didn't Uh want to deal with being in a white institution Mm-hmm. So you created black space in a white institution that wasn't a student run club. And I think it's important that we understand that when we're taking ethnic studies, anything that has to do with the African diaspora or any black or brown body, anything that is not white, Anglo-Saxon, European, that we understand that we are walking into a space about a people and respect it as such. Right. Kevin, what do you think about that? Because you uh, you also was, a, you're a graduate and worked, and you also worked at HSU. How, how does that land on you, how she set the tone for her class? Um, honestly, I think that's how most classes should be uh, set the tone for. I think there's, you know, I mean, I was in the sociology department, so... I don't think the tone was set enough in that space, uh, at least as far as I've seen, when you have like graduate students that don't understand race, being the lecturer for the race class is extremely problematic. And 
I can, I, I really uh, don't think any of the students that were under those lecturers really got what they needed to get from the course, which is why you also continue to have graduates from the sociology and criminology department that I follow on Facebook that spew right, right wing bigoted messages and, and um, aren't critically thinking about where these facts allegedly in quotations are coming from and how to critically assess them. So I think when you don't start your class with setting the tone in that way, it allows the status quo to continue. Mm-hmm. To sum it up shortly. Yeah. And it was, it was a vulnerable experience for me too, because I could have definitely really easily walked in there and just like said like, oh, here's some beginning moves and here's this and not like share like my spiritual connection with it. But I feel like that's so important as to why it's so important to me and why it's touched my life and why I know it's been carried from Africa all the way to here all these generations and we're still learning these moves and these rhythms because I'm doing traditional dance um and so they're so old these movements are so old you know and yeah the rhythms are so old they carry so much in them yeah and like Kevin said you're doing it exactly how you should be doing it and the fact that we've never had people in positions of power or professors that have held themselves accountable to all the rich cultures and practices they've been exposed to. Like Mm -hmm. if you want to teach African dance and not taught the spiritualness of it, that Mm -hmm. practice loses all the intention that it ever held for a certain Mm -hmm. I cannot go to any African dance classes here anymore. I have mm-hmm. tried, and the second class that I've gone to was only because you asked me to come, Emily. Mm-hmm. They do not intentionally, they do not intentionally practice African dance from an internal spiritual place. Yeah, there's body moving. Their bodies are moving through space and learning some movements. Mm-hmm. I see my auntie snapping me across the floor, speaking into my my um, higher level as I'm moving across the floor, speaking to me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in a space where we relate and understand who we are and where we come from as a people. Right. And I'm not just speaking as my Nigerian self. I am also a descendant of slaves in America. So yes. Yeah. That displacement and wanting to reconnect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense because so many things now are half-assed. And that's why we right. see all these people having these spiritual disturbances when they're choosing not to like honor something fully. That's not the well, especially like African culture, African culture. People are like, oh, I'm hella into this and this idea. And then they don't fully embody it and take it through all the steps of learning and, and, you know, becoming one through an educated lens. And then they're having all these like interbody disturbances because the ancestors are not something to be played with. Like Mm -hmm. they are not. Um, I actually had a question for Emily because, you know, 
I uh, do have the experience of working like administratively in mm -hmm. universities. However, I know that basically the week before finals, every teacher's worst fear or that process begins of student reviews. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, I'm just assuming that that takes into account the extent to which people are going to set the tone. And so if we're, because that's what I've seen is like predominantly white students getting challenged on these, uh, on their benefits from, you know, systems of oppression. And it gets, it gets reflected in the reviews of students, uh, students for the professor for that course. And so like, I'm, I'm wondering like, where does like, how much are you tied between like basically like teaching something and giving it justice versus like appeasing who is that who is you know and it's essentially the customer right is right. there any like friction between those two honestly if i had been doing anything else there probably would be but i i can't with west african dance if i'm going to teach it i just have to teach it this way for me um and so and it ended up, because of what I had said in the beginning of the class, it ended up being a predominantly Black class. It was more, um, I can't remember the numbers. I'm so bad with numbers. But I had, like, out of maybe, like, eight students, we had, like, five or six of them were African-American. So it was a predominantly um, African-American space. Black space. How many students did you start out with at the beginning of the semester? It was like 15. And then they, yeah, after that first class, when I kind of had said, um, this is how it's going to be, I was very clear that we would not be singing any songs because that was something that they did before. And I feel, I just, for my personal belief, as someone who's tried to learn Spanish and messes it up, I am not going to mess up anyone else's language because I feel like it's disrespectful. You can mess up one little tiny like inflection in your voice or something and say something completely different. And if you don't know the song, don't fucking teach the song. If you don't know the song, do not teach the song. Uh -huh. So would you say white flight occurred in that class? Yeah, I guess so. Or even like they were like, oh, I don't get to just like move. People exactly. probably literally were like, oh, easy class. I'll move my body. Exactly. I was like, let's learn some culture. And they were like, well, actually. <laughs> well, right. I will tell you, one of your students told me that they were taking African dance because they wanted to learn how to pop their backside more. I will not <laughs> lie. This is just before she got hired. That's what one of her students told me. Uh, a white student? Yes. Okay. They wanted to learn how to pop their body more. I mean, they got twerk classes on the gram, yo. Right? It seems like the only person that's allowed to teach twerk classes are white women on Instagram. So <laughs> I'm not sure where she was confused. I do, though, just for the record, when we're warming up our hips, I do have us do a twerk circle where you just twerk, twerk in a circle around. Because it feels good and it's good for your body and it's good for your core. And it, it's a good way to warm up your hips. But using but it's twerk, not about that. <laughs> no, but using twerk as a tool 
to teach how to navigate the pelvic region exactly. and the lower lumbar is not the intention of I'm only going to take African dance for all of these pop and lock and twerking reasons versus for the culture of it. Right. Work is just one tool, not mm-hmm. a whole idea around African dance. Right. Or any, any Black culture in the African island Caribbeans. Mm-hmm. Man, twerking cures all. I mean, Mom, I'm pretty sure you can speak to that. I know, like, a lot of um, people always try to go on, you know, the Carib talking about that's all they do. Like, oh, look at that little girl twerking, like, and have something bad to say about it. Like, and no one is even thinking about, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think like everyone's pretty mad because this has been the way we've danced for how long? And it's always been seen as like overtly sexual, inappropriate, raunchy. And now a bunch of white bodies are like, oh, twerking for fitness. And Mm -hmm. same thing, like I'm trying to copyright uh, my dance hall Zumba because that's exactly what happened to Latin music and Latin dances and rhythms. This Mm -hmm. corporate fitness group Zumba got a hold of it and now someone just teaching like their people's dancing for fitness they have to like pay this organization for this technique that's that's been it within you know a large amount of different latinx cultures for how long but Mm -hmm. i guess that's everything that we do let me ask one more question before she goes um Mm -hmm. actually i'm gonna ask you two do you feel like Black artists are commissioned and hired enough in Humboldt County? Um, no. Um, yeah, no. It's hard to find Black art. It's hard to find your community here. I mean, if you're in a, in a city where you go to a West African dance class and there's no Black people, like everybody knows if you're new to a city you want to meet some black people go to the west african dance class you can meet some community like that's that's been my rule for going to city to city so in this in this community you got to look for black people it's not going to be in your face they're not going to be up on the walls it's not going to be in brio it's not the art you have to look for it you have to look for your community you have to search it out uh last question what is something you want to leave with the Black listeners who are listening right now? I guess I just want to encourage everybody to show up and take up this space. Show up for each other. Because um, we're all trying right now to create some community. Like Dee, you're doing your comedic yoga class. And Mo, you have your dance classes. And Kevin, you have your photography. Like, let's let's show up for each other. Like, let's really, really make sure we're showing up for each other. Because, like... That's what we need. We need to create community within ourselves and it needs to be strong and solid. And the best way we can do that is not by like having white people give us a little bit of space. It's like, no, it's us showing up for each other, supporting each other, leaning on each other and uplifting each other. Thank you, Emily. So 
think that's all the time we have today. And I like that last point about showing up for each other. So why don't you let our listeners know where they can show up for you at? Let's see, where's your IG, websites? Where can they find you? Um, so my my business uh, Instagram is uh, at Ginger Love Designs, G-I-N-G-E-R, and Love, L-U-V, Designs is my Instagram. And um, I did start, before COVID, I started... Um, HSU's like a little hashtag West African dance. So if you hashtag West African dance HSU, you should see a couple pictures. And um, I will be teaching in the fall, and that is, I mean, in the spring. So that is a community class. So it'll be open to the community. If y'all want to come through, please come through. Because, um, yeah, it's a beautiful space. And I'm really putting like good intention into that. And so that's where you'll be able to find me. Awesome. Thanks for thanks for showing up for us, Emily. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. Thanks, y'all, for listening to The Black Aesthetic. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and tune in every Wednesday. Follow us on all socials at Black Humboldt and check out our website at www.blackhumboldt.com. If you want to send some love and feedback, email us at blackhumboldt at gmail.com. And make sure to use the hashtag Black Humble Aesthetic. B-L-A-C-K-H-U-M-B-O-L-D-T-A-E-S-T-H-E-T-I-C on social media. Until next time, continue to walk in your Black excellence.